Welcome to Flipping the Script, a podcast for women of color by women of color, helping you to not just navigate your way through change, but to embrace it. I am your host, Michelle Words. Today we have Nicole Cruz. Nicole is a life coach, speaker, and activist who understands the dilemmas of being a second-generation immigrant and helps others to navigate their path to their authentic selves. Nicole shares with us some tips on how we can break from those traditional expectations that may weigh us down. Let's get to it. I am not where you want to be Trying to navigate life but it's hard to see I am struggling to make a change We're coming to me now is the perfect chance With flipping the script so you'll find your way To help you embrace any trials you face With flipping the script conquer every day We're helping you find your happy place Nicole Cruz is the CEO and lead coach of Nicole Cruz Coaching As a life coach, speaker, and activist, Nicole supports immigrants and immigrant descendants to reclaim their power, identity, and agency to create thriving lives. She also works with executives of color to release code switching so that they can bring their full selves to work unapologetically. Her ultimate vision is to work with folks of color to co-create a joyful, expansive, and liberated world through radical embodiment of their full power. Her work has been featured in Fast Company and Thrive Global, and she has spoken at organizations such as Google, MuleSoft, and University of California in Merced. Nicole is a full-time traveler with 35 countries visited and counting and soon to be an Italian resident. Nicole, welcome to Flipping the Script. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for being with me. Nicole, would you mind starting by sharing with my audience a bit about your background? Sure. So uh, I am Nicole Cruz as Michelle. So I, I love the intro, by the way, Michelle. It felt it sounded so nice to, to hear it on this end. I am the daughter of Filipino immigrants, and I currently am living in San Diego, but I will soon be moving to Bologna, Italy later this year. So I work with folks of color, immigrants and immigrant descendants. So usually they've immigrated to a country or their parents have immigrated. And I really support them to release survival beliefs, release narratives and programming that doesn't support them anymore, and to start building the beliefs and the thoughts that are going to support what they want to create. And usually that means flipping the script, changing things up than what they normally do. Of course. So what led you to start coaching in general and then that specific demographic? Yeah. So I, you know, I did not know that this was going to be part of my journey, (laughs) how, you know, I was brought up in, you know, an immigrant household where really I was taught to, you know, get good grades, get in a good college, get a good job buy the house, you know, check all the boxes. And at the end of that formula is happiness. So I did all the things. I did all of that. Got my MBA, got a six-figure corporate job, got bought a house, got to the end and, of that formula and realized I'm not happy. And I was really confused because I had done all the things that I was taught to do that I thought would get me to a place where I'm happy and fulfilled and loving life. And really I was burnt out. I was trying to, you know, take on this persona of someone that didn't really fit. And I had spent all this time creating this life that looked real good, real good from the outside, but inside didn't, didn't really feel like me. And 
I was, you know, in 2016, you know, I was in a, a corporate job. I was the senior program manager at a really, you know, huge corporation. I think they're like f- number five on the Fortune 500 list and I had been there for 11 years. So over a decade. And I was getting to a point where I realized what I'm doing now doesn't feel good. It doesn't fulfill me. And in order for me to feel better, I'm going to actually have to change the trajectory that I've been on my whole life. So thankfully, I had a partner who's supportive of that. And I got enough courage to quit the job, quit the six-figure job, downsize from my three-bedroom house in San Diego to a carry-on suitcase. (laughs) And I traveled the world for a year with my partner. And it was the first time in my life, Michelle, and I don't know if you, you could probably relate to this since you've, you, you know, live abroad, but it was the first time in my life I actually allowed myself to just do what I wanted to do, to not live up to anyone else's expectations, to not check, like, you know, have to report into anyone, um, where I just allowed myself to experience travel and being in different cultures and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and and actually releasing all of the things that I thought would give me security and happiness, right? The job, the house, the car, the things that I had to challenge myself to find that security and happiness within myself. And, you know, I really got to a, a place where I... I decided I I can't go back. I can't go back to the way I was living before. And so I decided to really commit myself to a life where I chose what felt aligned, what felt joyful. And really when I looked at all the things I loved doing anyways, that I would do for free for friends and for, for people I knew, it was helping them reach their goals. It was uh, believing in, in their dreams. It was, you know, I ran accountability groups with my friends for free because I just love doing it. And I realized that all of that was really falling under the umbrella of coaching right. and life coaching. Right. I guess what I would like to know is that, was there a final straw for you or what really was the deciding factor on you making that change? Because I know that a lot of my audience are in that same situation. And there usually is something that really is that pivot point in you making this decision that I have had enough, I am doing something differently. So what was that for you? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I get that question a lot also. And really, I had worked over 10 years, you know, to be in what I thought was my dream career. I was doing corporate sustainability um, for for a really huge company. And once I got there, I realized it wasn't what I expected. And to be honest, I was experiencing a lot of microaggressions in the workplace. I I was one of the only women of color in, in the workplace. And the leadership that I was experiencing was just not supportive for for what, you know, the impact that I wanted to create. And so I realized, you know, I worked so hard to get to this place and I got here and it's still, there's still something missing. And it wasn't like this huge, you know, you know, this huge, like I saw the light, I got this realization. It was really more of an add up of all of these small, small promises I was breaking to my true self by staying in a job that I didn't like by um, you know, surrounding myself with things that didn't really fill me up. You know, I got to a point in my early 30s where I remember crying under the covers of my bed and just thinking, I don't even know myself anymore because I've just followed the script, right? I've just followed the formula that I've been told. And I knew there was something in me that told me you need to do something differently in order to 
in order to create that. Like you need to be open to risking what has felt safe for you Mm -hmm. in order to find something that's actually going to fulfill you. And I will say for anyone listening, it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't, you know, I I got that voice. I heard that voice and, and, you know, decided the next day. It was probably something that had built up over a year or two until it just got to a point where, okay, I am ready to just try and to just see if this is, if this is the thing that could, that could support me. Right. Well, and then, you know, what makes it difficult as well is, as you said, everything looks great on paper. So you may not even get the external support to make the change because everybody's like, your life is perfect. I don't understand. Why would you want to change anything? So, you know, sometimes you have to make that step on your own without support of others. But fortunately, it seems like you have the support of at least your partner. Yeah. And, and, and especially coming from an immigrant background, there's so much guilt for our community and wanting to do something different or wanting to release the security and the stability of, you know, a, a stable, good paying job. Um, there's this, what, what was running through my head a lot and what I hear from a lot of my clients is, you know, my parents, my family sacrificed so much for me. Who am I to pursue what I actually want, right? Shouldn't I just keep doing what they want me to do? And so there was a lot of guilt and shame that I had to work through in order to actually make the decision. And what I now offer my clients is, you know, actually all those sacrifices that your family made, that your parents made, by you being able to do what you want is actually honoring their sacrifices instead of the thought of like, I'm rejecting, I'm rejecting all, all of what they worked towards. Right. It's a change in the mindset. And, you know, you mentioned, totally. um, because I know that you speak specifically about immigrant families, but it's true really of a lot of families of people of color and, and even some families of people not in co- of color when your family actually may even be depending on you financially. So you have that burden as well, possibly, that you have to try to shed if you can, because that adds to the guilt, right? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. able to now financially afford to be able to help my family, whereas if I make any changes, I might not be able to. So there's that additional layer as well. Yeah, and that's so such a real and true fear and, and, and reality for a lot of folks. And, you know, I, I also want to offer, you know, my, my way of changing my life was, you know, making these drastic changes and moves. And, but, you know, if there's someone out there listening, who's questioning about like trying something new or different, you know, it doesn't have to look like quitting your job and traveling the world. It can, it can be a smaller step. It can be, um, something that um, is a smaller change that doesn't maybe put into jeopardy the reality of your circumstances. Exactly. Well, and even, you know, I encourage people all the time to move abroad, but I realize that that is, that can't be the reality for everyone. And it might not be the desire for everyone either, but still, you know, making some sort of a change that puts you out of your comfort zone into a different environment. So you know, one of the reasons why it was easier for me to adapt when I moved abroad was because I've hopped all around the United States. So you could even just move from, you know, maybe your job, you can get a transfer into another city or another state on the other side of the country. And that's enough to kind of shake it up for you, at least, you know, temporarily until you can figure out some other alternatives. So as you said, it doesn't have to be as drastic as what you and I are talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that, right? Because, and, and what I heard in that, Michelle, is really even just giving yourself permission to think of something differently, to think of a different possibility. I mean, that could, that's a hard step in and of itself, True. but being able to just allow yourself like even just saying to yourself, like, okay, I am going to give myself permission to just think of some other options besides what I am experiencing right now and be open to that possibility is, 
is huge. Right. Yes. You know, so this is kind of an aside, actually, but also somewhat related. I watch CNN International a lot just because there's only a few English speaking stations. And so my TV usually just kind of parks there. So one of the reporters there, Brooke, she is leaving CNN. So I didn't hear her original announcement, but this week they're like telling her goodbye. And I'm like, wow, it looks like she has a great job. She's happy to be there. You know, I'm not hearing of like any sort of controversy or anything. So I wonder why she's leaving. So just, you know, kind of fleeting thought. I wonder why she's leaving. So this morning I'm reading online and there, there was an article that said that the reason why she's leaving is because she felt too comfortable. So, you know, we talk about discomfort. Mm. It was, it was so enlightening to me because I thought, wow. And so she said, I felt too comfortable and that my father always told me never feel too comfortable so that you need to go into this area of discomfort. So she's been with CNN, I don't know, 10, 11 years, you know, and she just decided she's leaving. And I guess she's in the process of writing a book. She's totally flipping her script where she could have stayed at CNN, you know, who knows how long and been in her comfort zone. And I guess been perfectly happy, but clearly there's something that she feels is missing. And again, from the outside, it looks great to us. Wow. You know, you have your own (laughs) show on CNN, like during prime hours, you're not like one of the overnight people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like Like the guy, Kim uh, Bruhammer. I always laugh because I'm like, I know he's happy to have his job, but he's like in the middle of the night in the U.S. So he has no life. (laughs) But one of the things that she said is that she felt lonely at some times because I guess her life was dedicated to her job. And so she's walking away Mm, from it, you know, without having to and going to go in a completely area of discomfort for her. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean relocating or anything for her. It is that career switch. And so again, it's just stepping away from your norm and doing something differently. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, Yeah. Cause you know, by all accounts is like, oh, like she's, she's got it figured out, right? Like she doesn't need to worry about it, but, um, you know, making that kind of choice also requires like a lot of self-trust, right? Like whatever, you know, I'm going to step away from something that looks good on the outside that is comfortable. And I'm going to trust that my next step is what it was supposed to be. Right. Exactly. Because you know what, that seat that she's leaving is not going to be open for her to return back. You know, it's a doggy dog world and there's plenty of people ready to hop into that chair. So, I mean, in a way, yes, she has a lot more privilege because she had, you know, I'm sure she put some money away. She was making a great salary, you know, things like that. So she has more (laughs) of a comfort zone, even in that decision making than a lot of others do, because that leads me really into my next question for you, because I know that, again, specifically you work with immigrants, first or second generation. So what is it that you see about that specific population, um, the type of needs that your coaching can feel, can feel? Yeah. So, uh, so I identify as a second generation immigrant. So my my mom immigrated here. I actually immigrated to the U.S. in her womb. She was in her third trimester. Wow. She flew from the <laughs> Philippines to California um, so that I would be born here. Um, and really what, well, the, part of the reason why I chose to work with this community is because I asked myself, who can I help the most with my life experience? And it was, you know, others in this community. And also I was seeing in my clients, you know, so folks in this, that come from this background, usually they're having to straddle multiple cultures, right? At home, they, they experience, you know, the culture of their, their parents, like homelands. And then outside of the home, they experience, you know, this, like Western um, society, these different norms, these different values. 
And it's, it causes a lot of internal conflict because at home they're taught one thing and they go outside mm-hmm. of the home and they're taught something else. And, and because they are immigrating or, or their parents immigrated, usually they're taught to assimilate. Mm-hmm. Um, they're taught to change themselves in order to fit in water them themselves down so that it's more palatable to the outside world. And they get to this place where they've, they've gotten really good at it. I got really good at that. They get to this place where they realize like, wait, who, who am I? Like I have been trying to make my family happy by being this one way. I've been trying to make others happy by being this other way. But without all of that, if I just stopped doing that, who, who am I? Like, what do I really want? Who am I really? It causes a lot of conflict and indecision and uncertainty of really feeling lost um, as to what they want to do, who they want to embody. And so a lot of what I support them in is understanding where that comes from, right? Bringing some, some compassion in a larger context of, you know, why they were taught the things they were taught, you know, why, you know, they believe the things they do, you know, the larger systems of oppression that, that come into play. And then I help them move from a place of awareness and knowing, like understanding, okay, this is, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm thinking. This is, this is why I'm acting this way, really helping them move to a place of intentionally choosing the beliefs that they want to have moving forward intentionally choosing who they want to be in, in their lives so that they go from running kind of living life on autopilot to exercising their agency Mm. to saying like, yes, I do want to do this career. I do want to make this shift. I am going to trust in myself instead of trying to please and center everyone else's comfort over their own. So really a lot of my work that I do with this community is identity work and helping them own who they are and who they want to be rather than the roles or the performance or the people that they've Mm -hmm. been taught that they should be. So just curious though, and I know that your focus is of course on your client, but do you include in your coaching then even steps for them to be able to approach or address their family about this? Because I know it will cause a lot of conflict possibly with this. And, you know, sometimes they may be surprised at the support they may get from their family, but I can see that there could be resistance as well. I'm just curious then, you know, how do you deal with that? Oh yeah. (laughs) That is like one of the top, (laughs) the top issues that I support them with because it is a, a change, right? It, it, who they actually are might be different than who their parents want them to be. And so I support them in first really accepting themselves because I think a lot of times we're taught to outsource how we feel about ourselves to what other people think about us. Um, you know, our self-worth, our, our you know, self-esteem or self-confidence, usually it's dependent on if other people like us. And unfortunately, we can't control if other mm-hmm. people like us. Um, and so the first step in to broaching even that topic is, is to first help them get to a place where they are starting to accept and feel good about who right. they are and and then providing them some ways to maybe language what they want to say or express to their parents um, or family members in a way where it feels good for them to express themselves rather than going into it thinking I'm going to convince them that who I am is good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's a big, yeah, yeah, it's, it's especially with this, with this community. I mean, family is so important that they are so afraid of disappointing their family. Um, so it definitely is. A, that's why I tell them, you know, it's really courageous that they're doing this work it's really brave of them to take the steps to figure out who they are and own it um, and and express it to others. Well, yeah. And not only that, because they're first, second generation, there may not be a lot of family members. So, you know, that makes the family even closer because 
you don't have that extended family that's local at least to be able to to lean to lean on as well. Exactly. So, yeah, I could see that being, you know, an an additional issue. So one of the things that has absolutely intrigued <laughs> me, Nicole, is when you talk about releasing code switching. So first of all, I thought even the term code switching was kind of just an African American mm, thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought that was kind of just, you know, our, you know, term. So I love that. But then also I have never heard of anybody, you know, even the thought of releasing code switching because it almost feels like it's necessary when you're in a corporate environment or, you know, business environment, professional environment to that, you know, it's just kind of what you have to do. So tell me more about that, releasing the code switching, maybe start with defining it, I guess, for some of the people that may not know what we're talking about. And then kind of tips on how you navigate people to release code switching. I'm I'm glad that resonated with you. Um, it's it's code switching is a term I use with my clients also. Um, and again, I work all with with folks of color, and it's this it's this way of kind of changing how you talk, what you say, the words you choose based on who you're with. And really, I see it as as a way to it's really as a a survival mechanism. And it's because, again, we have had to tr- to fit into the dominant group's way of talking, way of thinking. And so I also want to offer like code switching is coming from survival, right? It's coming from really what we have had to do, what our uh, ancestors have had to do in order to survive, fit in, you know, uh, yeah, assimilate. assimilate. Um, yeah. And you know, I so experienced this in the corporate world. You know, usually I was the only woman and then only woman of color in a very like white male, older white male dominant teams. And I would have to mm. really like translate in my brain, like, okay, this is what I really want to say, but I'm going to have to change it and translate it to words and tones that they will hopefully receive. And the energy it takes to translate every day (laughs) is exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, so I work with executives. One of my current clients, she's, she's a chief diversity officer for uh, one of the largest uh, PR companies in in the country. And really, you know, she was finding herself having to hide so many parts of herself to fit into the corporate culture and what that was doing, even though it was a survival mechanism, what that was doing was actually blocking herself from a lot of her power and her wisdom and her genius because she was having to filter herself and use all her energy Mm -hmm. towards that. So I support executives and leaders of color within companies to be able to own like who they are, again, right, that identity work, own who they are, be able to just be really mindful when they're code switching, because we get so good at it that it's like second nature. So just be mindful when it's happening and be really intentional about doing it or not doing it. And so I'm not saying never code switch, because there are really definitely times where it doesn't feel safe to, to release code switching. But to really be intentional about, okay, when when I'm going to do it and when I'm not going to do it. And to really own, like to uh, kind of use some of that energy that we use to code switch all the time towards actually like advocating for their ideas, standing up for, you know, what they think is best for their colleagues, um, putting their ideas forward in a way that feels good for them instead of a way that feels filtered or diluted or, Mm -hmm. you know, just doesn't feel authentic to them. And, you know, in my work with the chief diversity officer I was working with, now she's 
in a place where she advocates for her BIPOC colleagues. She puts programs out there to the C-suite executives that are specifically supporting um, the you know, BIPOC folks. She stands up for herself in meetings. She, uh, and, and she feels good doing it. And so her being able to own her identity and release some of that code switching has allowed her to actually make systemic changes in her organization that impact so Mm -hmm. many people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. That is hugely important. Wow. Okay. So I know too that you also mentioned helping people move through fear and doubt. So what is that process? Yes. So fear and doubt is probably the top thing that I coach on with my clients. And, uh, you know, we don't really, I, I would say, at least in my experience, I wasn't really taught about fear. I just knew I had it. And so I think a lot of times when we feel afraid or we're doubtful, we want to try to run away from it. We want to try to, um, you know, put it aside or just power through it. And really the process that I support my clients in is let's take a look at it. Let's, let's look at that fear and let's bring some awareness into why it's coming up. It's there to teach us something, why it's coming up. And also to provide them tools on how to distance themselves from fear. So the the biggest, actually learning about fear and how to move through it was the thing that helped me in my transformation the most because I just thought I was a scared person. Like I'm just cautious, I, I don't take risks, I'm just scared, that's just who I am. But what I learned is actually mm-hmm. Fear, those thoughts of fear are just thoughts. They're not me. Um, They're thoughts that I've gotten really good at practicing. And I get to choose different thoughts if I want to. Um, Very much easier said than done, right? So the first step in actually doing that is naming your fear. Um, And I also call it your inner critic, right? This, This thing inside of you, this voice inside of you that says, who are you to want that? You can't do that. You can't make that change, blah, 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 right? To actually mm-hmm. like notice when it comes up and name it. So I like actually name it a name. So like I name my inner critic, little Nikki, because she's like a younger oh, version of me. Okay. Like that's my family name. That's what uh-huh. they call me is Nikki. So She's like this younger uh-huh. version of me that is was really scared. And, you know, when she comes up, I just know she's trying to protect me. Um, other clients have named theirs like Ursula from The Little Mermaid, right? This, okay. this like big, like loud, uh, you know, takes up all this space. Uh, and it's really to start creating distance from it, right? Trying to separate you from the fear. Um, I'm curious, Michelle. If you were to name your inner critic, your fear, what is there a name that comes to mind for you? You know, interesting. So hmm, maybe. Okay. So this is funny because I, when I moved abroad, I was talking to a friend of mine. Her name is Michelle also, but everybody calls her Shelby. And I was like, you know what? I think when I move abroad, I'm going to change my name to Shelby. Because you know what? When you move abroad, you can do that. And so, (laughs) right? People take you for who you are and that's that. So maybe it would be Shelby, even though, I don't know. So when you started talking about this, I started thinking about Ah. Beyonce and how she says her stage persona is Sasha Fierce. So I don't know if I want Shelby to be fear because maybe Shelby is like maybe my Mm. wilder side person. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and so when it comes up, right, when, when you feel the fear come up, what, what I do is I acknowledge it and, and it might, it might sound a little silly, but it really helped me. Um, whenever the fear came up and I was, you know, I was thinking about booking the one-way tickets to, you know, Europe, I was thinking about, you know, make quitting my job, you know, little Nikki would come up and she's like, don't do that. That's scary. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, you don't know what, what's going to happen. And so I would just acknowledge her. I'm like, okay, little Nikki, I hear you. 
and thank you for coming up and trying to protect me Mm -hmm. from what feels like something dangerous. But you know what? I'm okay. Like you don't serve me right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I get to trust Mm -hmm. in an adult Nicole. And, uh, And it was just this practice of, okay, it's there for a reason. She's there for a reason. And I get to choose not to listen to her. I get to choose to listen to my true self instead. And, you know, sometimes I had to do this practice like 10, 20 times a day because she was relentless. She was persistent. (laughs) Um, And eventually, you know, um, I, I created enough distance where I was able to quit the job, where I was able to, you know, start traveling. And she still comes up. You know, fear is always going to be there. It's natural part of us. But now, Mm -hmm. you know, when she comes up, it's more like, okay, that's interesting. Like, let's explore this instead of like this, like, oh my gosh, no, I have to, you know, um, I have to put her away. I have to hide her. Um, And so really starting to distance yourself from the fear, from the fearful thoughts may create just enough distance for you to take that action step that changes everything. Mm Okay, now I get it. Because at first I thought you meant name each fear, but it's just that one fear persona then. So, okay, I can do that now. I can think about that and maybe I will name her show. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, see how it feels. (laughs) I kind of feel like I like the name so much that I don't want to give her that Yeah, and I mean, the the one tip I would say in naming it is to probably not name it something that is really emotionally activating. So what I mean by that is sometimes my clients want to name their inner critic, like their mom's name, because they have a tumultuous relationship with their mom. And so I kind of advise maybe pick a more neutral name that, you know, (laughs) or like an X. Yeah. Like neutral. So that like, (laughs) I think you want to stab pens in. (laughs) Yeah. Something that's not going to, when you like say it, something that's not going to maybe activate a lot of negative emotion, maybe something a little more light <laughs> would, would be helpful. Right. Right. Because, you know, some, sometimes you do need to, I don't want to encourage you listening to fear, but sometimes it is valid. Okay. In some yeah. situations. So, you know, not necessarily where we're talking, but you don't want to give it that link to someone and then you completely ignore it all the time because sometimes it is worth right. <laughs> Yes. I mean, <laughs> Again, fear is there for a reason, right? It comes from this primitive part of our brain that, you know, triggers that fight or flight response that, you know, was really useful when, you know, you know, we were evolving and there was a lot of, you know, predators and we had to, you know, check in with our fear to see if it was safe to like cross the meadow. Um, so so it's, it's just right. there to try to keep us safe. But now it gets triggered anytime we're uncomfortable. Um, and there might be some right. situations that are uncomfortable, but not necessarily dangerous. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a checkpoint. I like that. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And I just thought of it. Like it <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> it's a checkpoint. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, nope, nope, this fear is not valid. Let's yes. keep it moving. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So I know that you also help people. Um, integrate rest and joy and wellness. So how do you do that? Like when is that important in the journey? Mm, Yeah, I would say now more than ever, especially for communities of color. um, I think, you know, a lot of times we're taught to, you know, keep going, power through, say yes to all the things, you know, kind of that hustle mentality, right? And look, I'm all for mm-hmm. a good like hustle. <laughs> like I, you know, that's that's definitely needed sometimes. But sometimes we make rest and allowing ourselves to experience joy into a bad thing. Like, oh, I shouldn't, I, sh- mm-hmm. I shouldn't rest. Um, like, right. my parents didn't rest. My parents worked like two, three jobs. You know, yeah. I, who am I? Yeah, kind of make you feel like you yeah. don't deserve it. Like it feels, it makes it feel like a yeah. luxury. And, and so part the, you know, the first step of integrating rest is actually working on your beliefs around rest, because it's going to be really hard 
to take a break if your belief system is telling you taking a break is bad. So the mm. first part is actually, okay, let's look at our, like our real, real thoughts about rest and joy and just really consciously choose thoughts that are going to serve us instead. So instead of thinking rest is bad, maybe a more neutral thought is rest is okay, right? It doesn't have to sound great, but just something that feels a little less heavy than you know, then rest is bad. And then maybe from the belief that rest is okay, you block off a, a half hour in your day where you eat lunch, right? You don't eat at your desk. You take small steps towards it. And eventually, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a practice, right? Because the belief systems we have right now, like the thoughts we have, we've been practicing them for decades. And so learning new beliefs takes practice too. It's like, you know, it's like building a new muscle, mm -hmm. right? You gotta, you gotta do the reps. And so it's really practicing every day that new thought rest is okay. Rest is okay. Mm -hmm. And then creating, right. taking steps that are, that come from that belief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, also understanding that, you know, what the rewards are for that. Not only replenishing your mind, your body, but for me, mm, clarity yeah. comes from that. So really giving yourself a break could help you to propel or excel because then, you know, you've kind of cleansed away some of the other clutter in your mind so that you get more clarity on some of the things. That yes, you want to focus that's on. huge. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, when we don't allow ourselves to pause, we just keep getting stuck in the doing and we almost use it as a distraction from what we really need to get clarity on or from what we really, you know, want to want to do instead. And there's this and, you know, as usually as, you know, women of color, what I've experienced personally and what I've seen in my community is we are givers like we we like to to give, to be there yeah. for folks, to, you know, really give so much of ourselves. And one of my coaching friends, um, Teresa, she gave me this visual to hang on to. Um, and I think, you know, we, a lot of us have probably heard of like, you know, you got to fill your cup before you fill someone else's cup. Um, but she actually asked me to visualize how many cups you're trying to fill, right? So there's your cup, there's a cup for your family, for your kids, for your school for your job, for your boss, you know, all these cups. And in order to fill those cups, your cup mm -hmm. needs to be overflowing, right? Yeah. Replenish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so that visual helps me because I just, I just imagine all of these cups, <laughs> all that these cups help. I got to fill. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You need to yeah. replenish. Exactly. Good. Interesting. So now you are making a move yes. to Italy. <laughs> I need to know what inspired you to make that decision. Uh, well, time? actually, uh, it was it was great because my husband, he um, got into a graduate program um, that is focused on international relations. And so the first year of the program is in Italy. And Honestly, when he told me that he got in and that was where we were going, I danced in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I was so I was so excited. Um, and and really, travel for me um, is a way for me to get out of my comfort zone. Um, to you know, like you were saying with mm -hmm. the CNN anchor, right? It's a way for me to get out of my comfort zone and to just experience. Uh, a different way of life, a different pace of life. It kind of gives me an opportunity to reinvent myself in some ways. Um, and so, you know, while he'll he'll be studying, right? He'll be doing <laughs> doing his grad school thing. Um, I'll be, right. <laughs> you know, I'll be working from there. Um, but already, I'm intentionally creating a business structure now that's going to support the kind of lifestyle I want to live in Italy. Um, which is not, mm -hmm. you know, working nine to five, you know, stuck at my computer every day while mm -hmm. 
you know, beautiful Bologna, Italy is outside of my window. It's really making intentional choices to be able to serve my clients in a way that feels good. And that allows me to enjoy Italy, to enjoy just being and experiencing a different culture. Yes. So I am so excited. Great. And, you know, I'm excited for you. And and so th- one of the questions I wanted to ask you then is if you often travel solo, because, you know, that's one of the things, too, when you talk about being able to kind of get out of your comfort zone. If you have a chance, even if you do, I don't know, a weekend trip without your partner. Yeah, of course, you need to talk to your oh, partner I about have. this. Oh, I already have. I already have. Just leave your yes. partner. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be coming knocking on my door with your luggage. I'm like, I got your invite. But yeah, um, yeah, I left my partner. So, but I mean, just to be able, because I'm also not only a huge proponent of moving abroad, but before I moved abroad, I did Mm, solo travel. So just traveling by yourself again takes you out of your comfort zone. You're not relying even on that other person. Plus, then you're fully making 100% of the decisions of what you're going to do yes. for the day without having to consult anyone and navigating uh, unfamiliar territory by yourself. It's very empowering, for one thing. That's, you know, it gives you a lot of, yeah. of strength that you know that you can do it. If I can navigate in a country where I am not familiar with anything there and I don't speak the language... And I managed to not only survive, but also had a great time. (laughs) You know, it's very empowering to be able to do that. So even, you know, I know people in relationships, if you have a chance, they'll still try to do some kind of solo travel because it is, it's very rewarding. Yeah. I love that, Michelle. Like as you were talking about it, like I felt so much excitement build up in my, in my chest. And I already, I've already spoken to my, uh, my partner. I'm like, okay, I'm planning on, you know going going to a different country every month while we're there because it's so easy to yeah. hop around i mean easy and inexpensive and convenient yeah, yeah it's just why not plus there's a lot to see in italy oh and i'm telling you oh, the food yes. oh yes compared to games i just bought <laughs> pants with, with stretch in them <laughs> there you go let me tell you, those elastic pants have been just the death of me during COVID. Since I'm working at home, seriously, I've been wearing like all stretch pants and things. And the battery in my um, scale had died. So I hadn't been weighing myself and I've been wearing, ele- you know, these elastic pants. I finally like had to start really like going back to work sometimes, you know, going to the campus. And I tried to put on my clothes and there's a problem. And then and then I fa- I got a battery for my scale and I found out how much weight I had actually gained. Like, you know, I knew I had gained some weight, but I'm telling you, it was way more than I expected. So be careful. I know. I was telling my husband, I'm like, I am going to need to, you know, do some major walking, some major like, I mean. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. that will help yeah. too, right? Yeah, because it's kind of, it's part of that culture. You will be walking a lot more public transportation, which, you know, I'm a California native yeah. and, you know, I in the LA area, we drive everywhere. I am not used to public transportation and doing a lot of walking, but you will find that that's, it's just the best. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get rid of our car and just be able to walk. Yeah. Get a bike. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes. And I took, um, yeah, like do, well, you could take those cooking oh, classes. Yeah. I, love I cooking. like to cook and I like to eat. Yes. So, yeah. So the combination of the two. So it's great because you get to cook, you get to eat and you get to socialize. And of course, you know, you're going to have all of those. I, I can't wait. And, and I've already started teaching myself Italian yeah. and I actually, in order to get a, a visa for okay. there, I actually have to take an Italian course. So I'm like, perfect. I... I love learning new languages. Mm. And so it, it'll just be nice to, um, again, like challenge myself in ways that we are just not challenged living in um, the U.S. or wherever our native country is. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, best of luck to you on that one. I am so excited to hear more about that part of your journey. Oh, thanks, I'm Michelle. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I will keep you posted. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, you must, of course. So now, um, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Yes. Yeah, so if you're interested in learning more or getting even some free resources, you can email me at Nicole at NicoleCruzCoaching.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Nicole Cruz Coaching. Actually, you can DM me or, or message me script if you're coming from listening from this podcast. And I will happily send you over access to some master classes that I've done totally for free if you want to explore and just see if this is something that might be supportive for you. I am on Facebook. I'm not super active on it, but my page is Nicole Cruz Coaching. Also trying to make it uniform across across all the, the channels. Um, so you can find me there. And my website is NicoleCruzCoaching.com. Perfect. Great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Nicole, for sharing with us some your tips. And I am sure that you will be hearing from some of our listeners today because I think that you can be a great help. Thanks so much, Michelle. It was so, so, it was so fun just chatting and talking thank with you. you. I appreciate Thank you for listening to this episode of Flipping the Script. If you like what you have heard, please make sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Also, I would appreciate it if you would write a review and share with your friends. And I want to hear from you. Feel free to drop me a line and let me know what you thought about this week's episode or to suggest any future topics that you would like for me to explore. Or you can just stop by and say hello. You can reach me at flippingthescript.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at flippingthescript. Want to continue the discussion? I also have a private group for ladies only on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. Bye for now. With flipping the script, so you'll find your way to help you embrace any trials you'll